not be afraid, only believe. By the help of the Holy Spirit this morning, and afterwards we will take our communion to seal up the blessings of this month. Our February is secure in the name of Jesus. Go with me to Mark chapter 5. I will take only one verse. I used to read quite a number of verses there, but I want to cut everything short in righteousness. We have crashed our two services into one for now. We suffer it to be so for now. Mark chapter 5, and I will be in verse 36, where I took this subtitle from. The Gospel of St. Mark, chapter 5 and verse 36. And as soon as Jesus had the word that was spoken, he said unto the ruler of the synagogue, Be not afraid, only believe. In the last one week, I shared with us certain things to note about fear. I said to us that the phrase fear not appears in about 365 places in the Bible. In some places in Isaiah, if time permits me, I will show us this morning. You will find the phrase in only one chapter, about three places. 365, at least, the minimum. Fear not in the Bible. What does that mean? That means for every day, God is telling you, do not fear. You don't have to fear. Fear will come, but you don't have to buy it. The days in which we live, the spirit of fear is rife in the atmosphere. I said to us last week, number one thing you must establish in your heart is that fear is not of God. It doesn't come from God. In Romans chapter 8, verses 15 and 16, the Bible tells us that the, we have not been given the spirit of bondage again to fear, but the spirit of adoption whereby we cry, Abba, Father. Likewise, the spirit, you know, bears witness to the spirit that we are the children of God. We have not been given the spirit of bondage again to fear. Fear is a spirit and it's a spirit of bondage. It binds people. Fear is the reason many are stuck in life. Fear is the reason many are not making progress. Fear is the reason some have not gone to school to advance their career. Fear is the reason many people, even though they've had from God to start a business, have not started the business because of the fear of failure, the fear of the unknown, the fear of tomorrow, the fear of death. Many people even live their life subject to the bondage of the fear of death. But the Bible makes it clear to us that Jesus has delivered us from the spirit of fear. Hebrews 2.14 tells us that. We'll get there this morning. So first of all, you must know that fear is not of God. One scripture that states that very succinctly is 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 7. It states very succinctly that God has not given us the spirit of fear. But what has he given us? The spirit of power and of love and of a sound mind. So when you see the spirit of fear trying to operate in your life, you must note very quickly that this is not from God. Because God has not given us. So whatever God has not given me, I don't want it. Whatever God has not brought into my life, I'm not going to entertain. Like my children, the way they are trained, we 
said to them, you don't, if your parents don't give you something, don't take it. Don't take stuff from strangers. So when you try to give them something, they say, no, we don't want. The same with many other children. That's the way parents train them these days, especially in our country. If it's not from my parents, I don't want it. God is your father. Fear is not from him. If it is not from him, you don't need it. When number two that I told us last week, I showed us an example of how that fear crippled the army of Gideon. It went out against the Midianites with 32,000 soldiers. And God said, you have too many people. I want to help you to trim down your army. Tell them whoever is fearful and afraid should go back. 22,000 went back out of 32,000. 22,000 out of 32. Now you would think you were going out with a strong army when you have 32,000. But 22,000 <laughs> were fearful and afraid. You find that in Judges chapter 7 and verse 3. And God still further trimmed down that army because there were too many. God doesn't need too many people to fight his battle. The Bible speaks about the children of Ephraim in Psalm 78 and verse 9 that they were fully armed but they went back in the day of battle. Why did they go back? Was it for lack of weaponry or lack of ammunition? No! It was because they got to the battle and they were overwhelmed. Overwhelmed by the enemy. Overwhelmed. The spirit of fear took hold of their heart. Number two thing that I told us last week is that fear is false evidence appearing real. So don't buy it. It's a lie. Fear is a lie. Some of us, if we are going to take stock today, look at our lives, look at certain things that we feared about five years ago. Today you remember and you laugh. It was as if that thing was going to kill you. It was as if it was going to be the end of your destiny. But here you are today still standing. Have you died? No. Are you in heaven now? No. Heaven is in you. So where is that thing that intimidated you so much? It is gone. Because it was a false evidence that appeared real at that time. You must notice that as you go on in life. Number three point that I tried to make and time was against us. And which is where I'm going to develop this morning and wrap up right there. Well, maybe give you two extra points. Develop faith in the love of God. Number three thing I want you to do or to note, which is very important in dealing with fear, is that you must develop faith in the love of God. Let's go to 1 John chapter 4, verses 14 to 18. 1 John chapter 4. I want you to develop your faith in the love of God. Let me turn to your neighbor and say, neighbor. Develop your faith in the love of God. Let me tell them, I want you to know that God loves you. Number two, I want you to believe it. Yeah. You know, you tell people, do you know God loves you? Yes, I know. Yeah. He loves me. But do you believe it? Well, believing is another, <laughs> it's a different ballgame. Because, I mean, I'm wondering wh where is God? Or where was God when all these things were happening in my life? Where was God when I lost money? an investment? Where was God when I had a carryover in my education? Where was God when somebody walked out on me and cheated on me and broke my heart? Where was God when etc, etc? Hey, listen. Don't just know that God loves you. You must believe it. First John 4, and we look at verses 14 to 18. He said, and we have seen and do testify that the Father sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. Whosoever shall confess that Jesus is the Son of God, God dwells in him and he in God. And we have known and believed the love that God has for us. God is love. And he that dwelleth in love dwelleth in God and God in him. Herein is our love made perfect. That we may have boldness in the day of judgment. Because as he is, so are we in this world. Verse 18. 
There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear because fear hath torment. He that feareth is not made perfect in love. I'd like you to focus on verse 16. He says, and we have known and believed the love that God has for us. I'd like you to repeat that. Say, we have known and have believed the love that God has for us. The word translated known there, the Greek word is genasco. The New, the New Testament was written in Greek. The Old Testament was written in Hebrew. The word used for known here is the word genasco. And this word actually is a word for intimacy. And if you will not be uncomfortable this morning, it's actually the word for sexual intimacy. What is intimacy? Into me, see. There is no way you have sexual intimacy with someone that they won't see you. They see you just the way you are. Into me, see. That's intimacy. Now, when the Bible says that Adam knew his wife, and she bare a son, B-A-R-E, King James English, the word knew there was not that he just knew her name. All right? No. He, he knew her. Glory be to God. The kind of knowing that results in pregnancy. That's the highest level of knowing. That's why this kind of knowing should only be practiced between a husband and his wife. Nobody should be knowing your husband. Can I have an amen? More than you do. And nobody should be knowing your wife more than you do. You see, when somebody is telling you about your husband, you know, you know your husband really likes Founder Diam and, and uh, Eforiro. Now, there's a problem. <laughs> Why are you giving me that kind of information about my husband? And again, how did you get to find out? You know that there is a kind of knowing that is going on somewhere. Because the highest level of knowing under normal circumstances is the sexual intercourse between a man and a woman. That's the word used here. Genasco is the Greek word genasco. Someone say genasco. It means, now listen, let's read it now. Now that you know genasco. It said, verse 16, and we have genasco and believed the love that God has for us. One of the greatest challenges we have today as Christians is knowing the love of God and believing the love of God. Satan will do anything. He will spend any available resources just to drive home one point. To convince you that God doesn't love you. You know when things are really tough and rough and some of us have been there and you got so convinced that God was not interested in your affair at that time. And you cried and you yelled at God. God, don't you care? Ah! Ah! Even unbelievers have these things. Unbelievers are not going through what I'm going through. Where are you? It happened to the psalmist. The psalmist said to God, Lord, what is going on? Why have you cast me off? For how long will you forget me? Forever? He felt forgotten. He felt forsaken. I remember years ago, I was in a dark valley. 
that was the year I was going to get married, 2010. And a lot of things were happening. The resources I needed were not coming in. I had a whole lot to do. And time was running out. One morning I woke up. I don't know if they call it depression. But that thing is gone forever in my life. Listen, you will never have depression if you know and you believe the love of God. No matter how dark it gets, if you know, if it is settled in your heart that, hey, God loves me, he's got my back. I woke up that morning, I looked at all my books. I had invested a lot of money, and I still do, on books, faith books. Books that would help me to build my faith in God. I bought a lot of titles from Oral Robert, a lot of titles from Kenneth E. Hagin, and, and, and Papa Copeland, and some of these other people. I mean, I, I was building a library. I was reading. I was devouring the books. And I thought I was a man of faith. Until crunch time came. When it looked as though, you know, Satan told me, you've built faith so much, you're a man of faith, but ordinary 100,000 naira now you don't have. So what are you doing with all these books? Why are you wasting your time? You better get on the street and find something for yourself. And you know what I did? The spirit of fear came upon me. I didn't see the light of the love of God. I went to where the books were. Out of anger. And I moved all of them from one end of the wall. Because I had them from one end of the wall to the middle of the wall. And I moved them to the other side like I wanted to just throw them away. And with tears in my eyes. What nonsense is all this? You know what the devil was telling me? Yeah, yeah, that's true. Nonsense. God is a liar. God doesn't love you. God doesn't care. These things don't work. These things don't work. The word of God does not work. It doesn't work. It doesn't work. If it works, it would have worked for you. It doesn't work. Throw them away. In fact, tear them. Burn them. And I was going to actually tear them, but I remember it's, uh, it cost me a lot of money to buy. So for the money I invested, I did not tear. I said, no, Satan, you got it wrong right there. I'm not going to tear them. But I was very livid with rage. I was angry. I was upset. Before the end of that day, God humbled me a little bit. He showed me a token of his love. I went back on my knees and cried and said, Lord, forgive me. And I repented. You don't need to get to that point. Some people get to that point, they never return. They get there and they get depressed. And the next thing they think of is suicide. They want to take their lives. The devil every day struggles so hard to achieve one thing. To convince you, to convince me that God does not love us. He's not contending whether God is God or not. He knows God is God. And he knows you know that God is God. And that God is almighty. And God is all powerful. He knows you know. But he will convince you that God is not interested in your matter. You remember in Mark chapter 4, before we go to Mark chapter 5, they were coming on this journey. Jesus said to them, guys, let's go over to the other side. All right? And Jesus slept in the boat. And the boat was moving on the water. And all of a sudden, there was an attack on the boat. There was a storm. There was a wind that was contrary. So much so that water was coming into the boat. What was the first statement they made? When they went to wake him up. Care us not down that we perish. Now that's King James English. Don't you care that we die? So Emi, Emi was there. Don't you know What kind of master is this? You don't even care. 
I tell you, there are people in church today who are secretly and silently saying in their heart, God doesn't care. It is the reason many backslide and they go on crack, go on cocaine, go on weed. They go back to their old lifestyle. They smoke, they drink. They say, forget it. That church thing is a scam. I was a Christian for one year. One solid year. I was involved in evangelism. What do you want to tell me? In Luke chapter 4 and verse 14, the Bible says that Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit into Galilee. What are you telling me? In fact, that scripture you quoted earlier, Omar, you didn't quote it well. You know what's going on? The devil has got them into a corner and convinced them that God does not love them and that God does not care about them and that if they don't do something by themselves, that is get self-help, they will die in their misery. And they don't want to die in their misery. So they believe the lie of the devil, jump out and try to make a living for themselves. And it steals their soul in the process. It tells them God is slow, God is late, God is busy. There are souls perishing in Afghanistan. You are there in Oketunu. You are asking for bread and butter. Forget it. God is busy. He's not interested. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Romans 10, 17. Fear comes by hearing and hearing by the word of Satan. Can I have an amen to that? Let me give you a very practical example of how fear comes. Do you know we don't hear with our ears? We're here with our mind. Our mind. Imagine you're a parent sitting in this service this morning and an usher walks up to you and says, are you the father of a three-year-old boy whose name is John Thompson? I say, oh, yeah, 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 that's my son. He's supposed to be in the junior church, in the children's church right now. Say, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, information reaching us was that they found him in the middle of the road on the main expressway. He's still there right now. Tell me what comes to your mind. Ah, you can already see a trailer, 16-wheeler, running down that road, and the guy's crazy. He's smoking their hand before leaving the park, and he's running at a daredevil speed, and your boy, your three-year-old boy, is right in the middle of the road. They begged him to move. He wouldn't move. I see my daddy, daddy, what? And Pastor Fred says, all right, everybody, don't move anywhere. The Spirit is about to move. That Holy Spirit will meet you on the road. <laughs> Amen. You know what comes to your mind? Death. Death. Is this how I'm going to lose my son? If an usher is trying to stop you on the, at the door, you move the usher, you move the door. Because I got to go rescue my son, my three-year-old son who is on the, on the main road, in the middle of the road. You have not heard those words with your ears. You heard them with your mind. Pictures played. The road might have been blocked. Maybe there are no even vehicles moving on the road. But hey, you don't care. You've seen the pictures. This is how the devil defeats us and sells the fear, the spirit of fear to us. It's a mind game. Gets you to imagine something bad. Imagination is a powerful blessing from God. But it can be manipulated by the devil. Fear comes by hearing and hearing by the words of Satan. Are you with me, church? This is why 
we need to develop our faith in the love of God. You must be so developed in the love of God that come what may, you say to yourself, Lord, I know you love me. I know you are not playing with my life. Okay, they said I have an extra year or I'm going to have an extra year. But Lord, I, I know maybe I was careless with my studies at, at a certain point. But in the end, this is going to work together for my good. I don't understand how, but I know it will. Because according to your written constitution, your word in Romans 8.28, we know, we genasco, that all things work together for good to them that love God and to them who are called according to his purpose. Are you with me, church? Let that settle in your heart. They called me on the 9th of 15 September 
<laughs> you just have information. They've just released the result. That's all. We have known and believed. Expression out. I know you know, but do you believe? Get yourself to the point of believing the love of God. Believe that if you are the only one in this life, God still loves you. For you alone, Jesus will still come. If you were the only one, the only creature, he still would have come to die for your sins. Believe that much in the love of God. When you believe the love of God, you become unshakable in life. Nothing shakes you. Nothing moves you because of the love of God. We are persuaded, Paul said, neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth can separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. You must come to that point when you are so persuaded. Let them say whatever they want to say. Jesus loves me and I know it. Can I have an amen? How do you achieve that? How do you get there? Spend quality time in the word and in prayer. Both in the understanding and in the spirit. You can say prayers like, Lord, I know you love me. And I believe you love me. Circumstances want to make me doubt, but I believe beyond the doubt that you love me. And I want you to reveal your love to me. Let me show you how much God loves you. John 17 and verse 22. Very quickly. I'm not too fast this morning, even though I know I'm racing against time. But it's more important to me that you get this than for me to even finish what I have to say. So I'll go as far as the Lord will help me. John 17 and verse 23. This is about the longest prayer that Jesus prayed in the Gospels. And he prayed this for the church. Let's take verse 1, then we'll go to verse 23. Verse 1. It says, These words spake Jesus and lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, so he was talking to his father. He said, Father, the hour is come. Glorify thy son, that thy son also may glorify thee. And then he began to pray. Now in verse 23. It says, I in them, that's us, and thou in me, the Father in the Son, that they may be made perfect in one, and that the world may know that thou hast sent me and hast loved them. Who are the them? Us. We are the them that is referring to right there. That the Father has loved us as thou hast loved me. Can you believe? That the father loves you exactly the way he loved Jesus. He doesn't love you more. He doesn't love you less. He loves you the way he loves you. Now that's too much for your mind. Yes. But you can meditate on that scripture throughout this week. And say, Father, I thank you because you love me the way you love Jesus. If Jesus were stopped, would he be involved in an accident? Jesus was writing an exams and he had prepared well because he would prepare. He's not lazy. He ministered all day. He prayed all night. He got up very early to pray. Mark chapter 1 verse 35 and he rose. He arose very early in the morning and went to a solitary place and there prayed. In Luke 18 1, he spoke in parables to this end that men ought always to pray and not faint. He prayed as a preparation for his ministry. So as a student, I read my books. I study hard. 
I don't have time for frivolities on campus. Yes, I have a social life, but my life is balanced. I have time for God. I have time for my studies. So if Jesus were writing an exam, would he fail? If he were flying in the air, would his plane crash? The Bible says that God loves you exactly the way, the same measure he loved Jesus. <laughs> that puts us in a special class. God loves me. Look, you don't mess with me because God loves me. You don't mess with the president's wife because men, that is the beloved of the president. You will hear the song, my beloved, the most beautiful among thousands and thousands. If you want the wrath of a man, insult his wife. You know, I, I've observed that the two of them are not even in good terms. They are not talking to each other. Okay, because they are not talking to each other, that now gives you the audacity to go and slap my wife. That day, you will discover the lion of the tribe of the Elegbe family that is in me. No, that day you will find out. If you mess up with my child, you are going to be in trouble. Now, you don't go near my wife. It is none of your business that we are not, we are not in good terms. We didn't call you. When we were in good terms, were you there? So we that we are not in good terms now, we are still going to go back to the good terms. So forget that. Are you, are you getting what I'm saying? But you don't go there and say, ah, she's not even very tall. Look at pastor's wife. How are you? What? Every pastor is a lamb, very gentle. Oh, you slapped my wife. Oh, and you are a member of the church. The Lord bless you and keep you. Yes, I mean it because I will finish you. <laughs> May the Lord bless you and keep you. <laughs> you know what I mean? You go to the president's wife. You say she can't even speak good English. And you push her. Now, you won't even ever get the opportunity to be close to her anyway because of the orderly around her. But let's say for adventure, you have the opportunity. Like, uh, uh, what's this guy? Macron in France, some time ago, the president of France, he wanted to talk to the people, wanted to greet them, and somebody pushed him. I don't know the case of that guy today. Maybe over there they might have human rights and all of that. But in Nigeria, forget, you don't have human rights, you have animal rights. You have no rights at all. You push the wife of the president? Now, first of all, oh my God. Can you imagine what the military police will do to that guy? What the police will do, then what the soldiers will do. They will be lifting him up, and he will be landing on the ground. Pa! They will throw him up in the air, several feet, and he will land. Pa! If he's still alive, they will throw him up. If he survives that, then he goes from there to prison. Court case will be 2058. For messing with the beloved of the president. Ah, no, that person won't live to tell the story another day. Can you now imagine somebody messing with the beloved of God? You are God's beloved. He loves you. Nobody messes with your life. Do you know how jealous God is over his church? I'm going to show you a scripture now. He said that because I love you and you are precious in my sight, I'm willing to give men for you and people for your life. It's in the Bible. I'm going to show you. Go to Isaiah 58. You see why some of us are so confident? It's not like we have anything in the natural, but we have God. And because we have known and have believed the love that God has for us. <laughs> Thank you, Lord Jesus. Isaiah 43, one of my favorites. Isaiah 43, I'm going to read it from verse 1. 
And I'm going to go all the way to Isaiah 44. I'll skip some verses. I just want to show you, fear not, fear not, fear not, and show you what I said now, that God will give men in exchange for them. But Isaiah 43 from verse 1. He said, but now thus saith the Lord that created thee, O Jacob, and he that formed thee, O Israel, fear not. Tell your neighbor, say, fear not. That's the first one, Isaiah 43, verse 1. For I have redeemed you. I have called you by thy name. Thou art mine. You are mine. God says you are mine. You are my property. Go on the streets this week and say to yourself, I am God's property. Satan, get out in the name of Jesus. Your house becomes God's property. Your car becomes God's property. Your life is God's property. Your health is God's property. Your money is God's property. So you can command Satan to take his dirty hands off of your family and get out and go to hell. Where he belongs. God says you are mine. Listen. He said, when thou passest through the waters, I will be with thee. And through the rivers, they shall not overflow thee. When thou walkest through the fire. When? He didn't say if. These are indications that in life, we will go through tough times. He says, when? 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 I love that song that Hadesa normally sings or used to sing. She has to go back to that song. You never leave me. You said that you won't forsake me. You are beside me. That is all that matters. You are coming and keeping God. He doesn't go back on his word. You are the covenant keeping God. Yahweh. So get back here. When thou passest through the waters, I will be with thee, and through the rivers, they shall not overflow thee. The flood they will not me. And they shall not overflow thee. When thou walkest through the fire, fire. Like what we are going through in Nigeria now. This is fire. And pepe. Thou shalt not be burned. We will not lose a member of our church. You will not lose any member of your family. For those who have lost loved ones, may the Lord comfort your heart. Affliction will not arise the second time. Satan is so ruthless and so wicked and so heartless, he doesn't mind to finish your entire family. He's crazy and mad and sad and forlorn and, and depressed. And he's looking for whom to vent his anger on. If you allow him, he will destroy your business. Kill your kids if you allow him. That's why I hate him. I tell him I hate you, Satan. And I will destroy your works anywhere I go. Listen. Disarm Satan by faith. Stop his works around you through prayer. James 4, 7. Submit yourselves to God. And resist the devil. And he will flee from you. His name Satan means the resister. I say to people. You think Satan will fold his hands and watch you progress in life. You think he's happy that you're making progress. He wants you to be in the mental hospital right now, depressed. He wants you to travel and have accident and die. He, he likes that. He likes things like that. Mad, mad things. I hate him. To hell with him in the name of Jesus. That's John 3, 8 tells us, For this cause was the Son of God made manifest. What for? To destroy the works of the devil. Destroy his works by faith and through prayer. In 1 Peter 5, verse
verses 7 and 8, the Bible tells us to cast our care upon the Lord because he cares for us. And in verse 8, it talks about our enemy, Satan, who goes about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Now, in the next verse, it says, whom resists, resists the resister, steadfast in the faith. If you stay in the faith, if you study the word of God and hear it and faith comes, you will be able to resist Satan. Faith brings boldness. Amen? Look at what he said. You will not be burned, neither shall the flame kindle upon thee, for I am the Lord thy God, the Holy One of Israel, thy Savior. I gave Egypt for thy ransom, Ethiopia, and Seba for thee. Look at verse 4. Dangerous. Since thou was precious in my sight. Somebody's name is precious. Even if your name is not precious. If you are a child of God, you have Jesus Christ in your heart. You are precious to God. Precious means expensive. Somebody picks up stones, ordinary stones on the street. Say, are you crazy? You are gathering stones. What for? But if you find gold on the street... That guy is precious. It might just be tiny, but it's precious. In fact, there are some stones called precious stones. Very expensive. Onyx, the onyx stone, uh, emerald, uh, you know them. Topaz, sapphire. You don't just find them on the surface. They dig deep to get them. God said, because you are precious in my sight. Look at this. Thou has been honorable. Look at this. And I have loved you. Is he about to love you? Oh, come on, don't sleep on me. Is he about to love you? Does he love you already? <laughs> he said, because I have loved thee. Now, listen. Therefore, what is it therefore? Therefore, will I give men for thee and people for thy life. My goodness. <laughs> God said so. Instead of you to die, men will have to go for you. Instead of you to be destroyed, people will have to go for your life. That's why it's unfortunate for anybody that is not born again. Because they are the ones that are sacrificed there. And they go from here to eternal damnation and eternity without Christ. That's the worst place to go in life. To go to an eternity without Jesus Christ. It doesn't matter the country in which you live. It's even sad. For anybody to go from Nigeria to hell. It, Nigeria is like a rehearsal of hell. I mean, you have money and you can't spend your money. I mean, we got to a gas station and we're begging to buy at 350 per liter. And the queue was long. Look at suffering. Men and women fighting. Fighting to the I mean, fighting. They don't care. Children hungry, crying in the car. You shouldn't go from this kind of chaos into an eternity without Christ. If you live in a country that is westernized or civilized, don't also go from that place to hell. It's not good. Whichever way you look at it. The smartest thing to do this morning if you are not born again is to accept Christ into your heart so that your eternity can be secure. Verse 5. Fear not! After I said I will give men for you and people for your life. Fear not! For I am with you. I will bring your seed from the east and gather them from the west. Go to verse 10. You are my witnesses. 
saith the Lord, and my servant whom I have chosen, that you may know and believe me, and understand, know and believe, just like know and believe the love of God, that you may know and believe me, and understand that I am he, before me there was no God formed, neither shall there be after me. I, I, even I, am the Lord, and beside me there is no Savior. Come on now. Go all the way to verse 18. Remember ye not the former things, neither consider the things of old. Behold, I will do a new thing, now it shall spring forth. Shall ye not know it? I will even make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. Can, I, can you say amen to that? God will make a way in the wilderness for you. He will make rivers in your desert. The desert is a place without water. God says that we make water where there is no water. Can I have a better amen? In, if you back up to verse 16, say, Thus saith the Lord, which maketh a way in the sea and a path in the mighty waters. God will make a way for you where people say there is no way. It will give you insights, concepts, ideas. Those are the things that rule the world. Wherever, wherever you live, in, you need insights. Sometimes the insight you will have is the same business people have been doing, but God will give you an insight to do it in a different way. Woo! And that makes a whole lot of difference. But we don't pray many times. In verse 22, he said, But thou hast not called upon me, O Jacob, but thou hast been weary of me, O Israel. You go all the way to verse 25. I, even I am he that blotted out your transgressions for my own sake and will not remember your sins. This should make every Christian happy that God said, I blot out. I'm the one that blots out your transgressions. I do it for my own sake and I will not remember your sins. I will not remember. <laughs> when you repent before the Lord, don't, don't bring it up again and say, Lord, you know, again, I'm here this morning to repent of what I did yesterday. Even though I repented yesterday, God is saying, what are you talking about? Because I cannot remember. I said I will not remember for my own sake, for my good. <laughs> I will forgive you and I will not remember. I don't care who I'm talking to this morning. Whatever you have done, if you will repent this morning and say, Lord, have mercy on me. He will have mercy and he will not remember anymore. They don't keep records of failure in heaven. They don't. Lord, you know, I, I told a lie last week and I do I repented, but I'm still feeling guilty. Like, why should I tell my dad a lie? Oh, God, I can't, I can't even pray. That's the devil condemning you. There is therefore now no condemnation to them who are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. Romans 8, 1 and 2. Can I have an amen to that? Whatever you've done in your past, if you have repented before the Lord, that goes under the blood of Jesus. And whatever is under the blood is under the blood. If Satan says, hey, you've done something, tell him, go under the blood. Go and find it under the blood. Amen? And when he reminds you of your past, remind him of his future. Did somebody hear what I said this morning? Anytime Satan reminds you of your past, remind him of his future. What is his future? Hell. H-E double hockey sticks. He's going to hell. He doesn't like to hear that. He knows he's going. So when you remind him, he will, he will, get, out, he will get out of your sight. Nonsense. He can even call you devil. <laughs> Glory be to God. It's better for the devil to call you devil than for him to call you friend. Go all the way now to chapter 44, Isaiah, verse 1. Yet now hear, O Jacob, my servant, and Israel, whom I have chosen. 
Verse 2. Thus saith the Lord that made thee and formed thee from the womb, which will help you. God says it will help you. Can I have an amen? He says, fear not. Somebody say, fear not. Oh, Jacob, my servant, and thou, Jeshurun, whom I have chosen. Fear not. God keeps saying, fear not. Chapter 43, fear not. Chapter 44, fear not. Look at the next verse. And I'm swearing this as a blessing on you guys and on your generations this morning. For I will pour water upon him that is thirsty. Everyone that is thirsty, God is going to pour water upon you. And floods upon the dry ground in the name of Jesus. You will never know dryness again in your life. Your academic life will no longer be dry. Your relationship will no longer be dry. Your health will no longer be dry. Your finances will no longer be dry. Your business will no longer be dry. You will not have shortage of ideas. And I will pour my spirit upon your seed. This is for your children. I prayed this over my children before I ever got married. I'm praying it over your children now. God will pour his spirit upon your seed. And his blessing upon your offspring. In the name of Jesus. Go to verse 4. Verse 5. This is where I pick my children's name. One shall say, I am the Lord's. That is, I belong to God. Toluwanimi. But my own version is Tireni Oluwa. I got it from this verse. I am the Lord. You don't mess with God's property. You don't mess with the property of a senior advocate of Nigeria. You go erect a kiosk in front of his house without his permission and he's a senior advocate of Nigeria. You know you're in trouble. What of if she's the judge? A judge of the high court. Just one sentence of the law finishes the person. That's all. But hey, God is the judge of the whole earth. And you belong to him. Did you hear what I said? He's not only the judge, he's also the lawgiver. He's your king and your savior. My God. He said, and they shall spring up as among the grass, as willows by the water courses. One shall say, I am the Lord. And another shall call himself by the name of, the, of Jacob. And another shall subscribe with his hand unto the Lord. And so name himself by the name of Israel. You can go on and on and on and on and find all the promises there. Go to verse, verse 8. Verse 8 says, fear ye not, neither be afraid. Have I not told thee from that time and have declared it? You are even my witnesses. Is there a God beside me? Yea, there is no God. I, I know not any. God is asking you, do you know any other God? Do you? Because I don't know any. I don't know. Do you know? Let me show you one scripture in Isaiah. Isaiah 51 that God used to deliver me from the spirit of fear years ago. One of my younger sisters had an attack. We landed in the hospital and the doctors were doing their best on her. They, had, they were doing their best on her. And you know what will happen to me? I wasn't the one with the ailment. It was one of my sisters. But anytime I was in town with my friends or in school or anywhere, the spirit of fear would come upon me and tell me, now your sister is misbehaving. She's breaking up stuff at home. She's restless. Now she's out of control. And I will be in town. And my heart will be beating very fast. And I will rush home. All for me to get home and find my sister sleeping. It was a torment. Listen. Fear has torment. One of the reasons you must develop your faith in the love of God is because 
according to 1 John 4, 18, there is no fear in love. Perfect love, maturing love, drives out fear. Fear will come. But when you are mature or maturing in the love of God, that love will drive out the fear. He said, for fear has torment. <laughs> if you ever lived in fear, you will know torment. Fear is a tormentor. The devil is the one behind that spirit of fear. Fear is the dispatch rider of the devil. When the governor is going to a place, the dispatch rider will go in front, clearing the way. The governor is coming. When Satan is going to visit anyone, he will send the spirit of fear ahead. That is the dispatch rider. When you open your door to fear and fear comes in, Satan will come in and destroy. But if you close your door to the dispatch rider fear, Satan will not be able to come in. Listen, in Ephesians 4.27, the Bible says, neither give place to the devil. Don't give an inch in your family to the devil. Walk around your apartment and say, in the name of Jesus, this whole flat, this whole room, this whole apartment belongs to the Lord Jesus Christ. And I draw the bloodline. I draw the bloodline around my house. I draw the bloodline around my car, around my family, around everything that belongs to me. And this is not a fear zone. This is a love zone. And Jesus lives here. No matter what happens on the street, he's not coming to your house. I lived in a house for eight years where snakes visited every family, not mine. Eight solid years. It was Snake Island. One made an attempt to enter my house. An angel kept it at the door for me to come back from service, all uh, uh, Bible study. We all crossed over the snake. He made his way through the first glass door. He couldn't make his way through the next door. We didn't see. We crossed over it. When we opened the door, we entered. He should have crawled in. He stayed right there. So I knew an angel kept it there for me. And then on my way to go and pick something from the car, I saw something shiny, black. And I said to my wife, wife, there was no electricity. No thanks to Nepa. In the night. But I saw that shiny black thing. Wife, give me the rechargeable lamp. Now remove the brush from the mopping stick and bring both of them. The moment my wife heard the combination of light and stick and removed the brush, she did not bring them. She threw them at me. Light fell on the floor. Stick fell another direction. I picked them up. The guy was still there. He should have heard the sound and moved mm, and attacked. Mm. He was still lying down like a dummy. And I... I got the light, I got the stick, I looked at the head, I went for the head, bah! The guy showed up, and papa! I gave him double. He showed up, and pa, 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 pa! When you are killing a snake, don't give it time to fight back. Kill, 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 until you kill it. This week, crush the head of Satan. Smash your goals. Achieve your target. Go on the wings of grace in the name of Jesus. Some other time, burglars came, hand robbers came, whatever. They stole from everybody, including the landlord. They even locked up my landlord in his house. They locked him up in his own room. He found a small phone and texted me, house, thief. I, didn't, I couldn't decode it. My wife was in the kitchen making a gun. We're getting ready for a bath. I read the text. I called the man. He didn't pick up. I called again. He didn't pick up. House, thief. What's the meaning of this? This was a very intelligent man that could speak impeccable English. So I went to the kitchen and said, I got this text. So we decided to be quiet. Maybe we would hear some noise. We didn't hear anything. Let's eat our bono and uh, pepper. In the name of Jesus, we ate. After we finished eating, we started hearing noises all over. Ah! Ah! They stole this from you. From flat to flat, they were obtaining them. And they didn't come to my flat. It was a four, block of four flats. 
divine exemption. You enjoy that in the name of Jesus. Even if you live in an area that is porous, live in an area where they are attacking people, fear not! God said, I will give men in exchange for you and people for your life. You must know the God that you serve. So, that period of my life, I would run back home and find my sister sleeping. I was living in fear. One day we were in the hospital. The doctor checked my BP, checked hers, and asked the question, who was sick between both of us? This was in UCH. Dr. Akonde was her name. Not a member of our church. I think from Vine Branch. Said, who's sick between both of you? I said, she. Said, no, you look more sick. Fear wore me out. I'll be looking like this. My friends will be talking to me. My mind will be on my sister. I was losing weight. For the first time in my life, I had BP issues. Never had it before. But hey, God dealt with that. <laughs> Amen. Praise God. I do. My BP is like that, of a, like, a, like that of a child. I mean, no exaggeration. I'm good. But that time it went up. I was only 23 at the time. Looking old. Fear. Fear. If you allow it, will sit on you like this. <laughs> and while you are suffering, because fear has torment. Oban tormenting on you. Fear is the tormentor. It will not make you sleep in the night. When you should be sleeping? Fear. Ah. If you sleep, you have slept. So you wake up. Your heart is beating fast. You don't know what's going to happen next. You just don't know. You just don't know. Maybe the landlord is coming today. It affects your taste board. If you did a bit of biology, you will know about sympathetic and parasympathetic. Did I get it right? Nervous system. I think they fall under autonomous or something like that. Nervous system. <laughs> Praise God. I mean, have you ever been chased by a Rottweiler? You will have a first class experience firsthand with fear. Let's say you escaped. The owner just got out there, Jack, come back here. And the, those guys back and breathe at the same time. Saliva all over the place. I mean, for those split seconds, you thought you were dead. For the next five minutes, you are not yourself. Your nervous system will now begin to readjust again. Check. You would have lost your taste bud. Something would have happened to your taste. Fear has a taste. The Bible says that Jesus tasted death for every man. So no believer should taste death. Absent in the body. Present with the Lord. You will not taste death. Because Jesus tasted it for every man. Can I have an amen to that? So one night, this fear thing went on in my family. My dad was late at this time, so I became the head of the family. My mom and I would pray, 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 pray. We'd take her to the hospital. We would not be able to sleep in the night. We'd be looking at her, how she was responding to treatment. Because it was like my father had died, so this was the next person to go. When you lose the person in the family, that spirit of fear hovers around the family. And the question is, who is going next? 
Hey, listen to me. Affliction will not arise the second time. One night, I promise you, I stand before God, I lie not. I was sleeping on the couch, not even in the bedroom. We couldn't sleep in the bedroom anymore. On the couch, my mom was on the floor. My sister was alone in the room, and my other siblings everywhere. I felt a gentle touch. I woke up. There's a difference between the Holy Spirit waking you up and fear waking you up. When fear wakes you up, it's with agitation. Your heart beats very fast. It's like you want to come out of your ribs. It was a gentle touch. I opened my eyes. I saw no one. <laughs> Told me to pick up my Bible. It was already on the table. I picked it up. Told me to go to Isaiah 51. I promise you before God I lie not. I'd never in my life had a preacher preach that scripture. This was the finger of God. As many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. He led me to Isaiah 51. And verse 12. I heard these words very clearly in my spirit in a baritone. <laughs> I, even I, am he that comforteth you. Who are thou? That thou shouldest be afraid of a man that shall die and of the son of man who shall be made as grass. What? That spoke to me. Go to the next verse. And forgettest the Lord thy maker that has stretched forth the heavens and laid the foundations of the earth and has feared continually every day because of the fury of the oppressor. As he you were ready to destroy. And the Lord asked me, And where is the fury of the oppressor? What? 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 I looked to the left and to the right. I was the only one. Mama was sleeping on the floor. I woke Mama up. Mommy, get up. Mommy, she got up. I said, Please get your Yoruba Bible. Get your Yoruba Bible. Now read this scripture. I want to hear it in Yoruba. Maybe I don't understand English anymore. I, I want to hear my, my, my language. And my mom opened up and read it in Yoruba language. The Lord asked us, where is the fury of the oppressor? The one that is oppressing you that says he wants to kill you. Where, where? Show me. Because I can't see it. Show me. I said, Lord, I can't see it either. That night was an encounter night. In my family. That was the end. It was the beginning of the end. But actually the end of that affliction. Only a few months after. My sister became well. Well till today. Till tomorrow. Can I have an amen? God had to deliver me. From the oppression. And the torment. Of fear. I shared that scripture here. About 13 years ago. At an all night service. I had the privilege of taking a session. And I shared that scripture. One of our elders, whose children are here, said he was going through a situation. That scripture did it for him. I didn't know until I went to see him in his office. He's into ministry. So I, I love to talk to him and reason along in the scriptures. His boy is listening to me now. But he, he doesn't know this. It was between me and his dad. And he told me how that I shared that scripture and that scripture helped him a whole lot. I said, sir, really? He said, yeah. He said, the way you shared it 
was like, I've never had it that way. And he got the same result. Listen, what I say to one, I say to all. That's what Jesus said. The word of God is no respecter of persons. I can sit here and one of the ministers, favor can come, of Allah can come and share a word and that's my word. And that's what I want in this house. I, don't, I, I want an usher to come and share the word of God and we will all be thoroughly blessed. It doesn't have to be built around Pastor Fred. Pastor. No! God wants to use each one of you in your houses, in your school, in your department, in your faculty. In your country. Can I have an amen? Finally, you need to deal with the spirit of fear. Philippians 1.28 says, In nothing terrified by your adversaries. In nothing terrified by your adversaries. Deal with it so that it doesn't deal with you. It comes to all of us, but we must stop it in its tracks so it doesn't stop us. Fear seeks to abort your miracle. It seeks to abort your healing. It seeks to abort God's abundant provision for your life and family. Fear is the reason many are stuck in a position today and not making further progress in life. The fear of death, the fear of tomorrow, the fear of the unknown, the fear of failure, etc., etc. Fear is faith in the ability of the devil to destroy you. When you believe so much that the devil has the ability to destroy you, that is fear. Fear is actually faith flipped to the other side. Why do you run from, a, from an Ossetian dog or from a Rottweiler? Why do you run? You run because you believe in the ability of that dog to, to hurt you. That dog has the ability. I believe he can hurt me, so I run. That's fear. Fear is faith. Faith in the wrong person. Faith in the ability of that thing or that person or that situation to swallow you. You're applying for a visa. It's getting delayed. Ha, maybe they won't give me again. Maybe they change their mind. Fear. Fear. You are believing in the ability of the devil to abort what God started in your life. Who started it in the first place? When I set out on anything, I set out to succeed, not to fail. Because God told me to start. And so I'm going to succeed. Come on, go ahead and succeed. I said, go ahead and succeed. And I mean, in the name of Jesus, go ahead and succeed. Let me give you one more point. Make bold declarations about the love of God. Make bold declarations about the love of God. I'll give you an assignment. I want you to meditate on some scriptures. Write these four scriptures down, or five. Colossians 2, 15 to 16. I know some of you will do it, some will not. But those who will do it, you will see the result. Those who will not, may God have mercy on you. So that you also will do it. Colossians 1, 13 to 14. These scriptures talk about our deliverance from fear and from the kingdom of darkness. Colossians 2, 15 and 16. Colossians 1, 13 and 14. Hebrews 2, 14 to 18. Hebrews 2, 14 to 18. Revelation 1, 18 and Revelation 12, 11. Revelation 1, 18 and Revelation 12, 11. These scriptures talk about, all of them talk about the conquest of Christ. The victory of Christ over Satan. Let me share one of them with you. Revelation 1.18. It says, I am he that liveth and was dead. Behold, I am alive forevermore. And I have the keys of hell and of death. Do you know hell? Hell is Satan's bedroom. Jesus went to hell. So that you will not go to hell. And he took the keys of hell from Satan, the landlord of hell. 
He dealt with him and brought the keys out. Glory to God. So Satan cannot kill you anymore. Can I have an amen? When he's threatening you, tell him to get lost in the name of Jesus. So my next point is to make bold declarations about the love of God. Say something like this. Perfect love casts out fear. Say it. I am made perfect in love. So I refuse to fear. Jesus loves me. I know it. And I believe it. I love everybody. I forgive everybody in advance. And my faith works. Yeah, you need to make some declarations. In 2 Corinthians 4.13, the Bible says, we have in the same spirit of faith as it is written. I have believed, therefore have I spoken. We also believe. And we therefore speak. Say what you believe. I believe God loves me. So I say it. How come you know that your family will not go broke in this crazy economy? Because we know and believe the love of God. God will not watch us beg. We say, God, no go, God, no go shame us. God, no the shame person. So, you know, go start with us. You're not going to greet me now. He loves me now. I'm God's love child. He loves me. I'm his favorite. I don't know why. I don't know about you guys, but I mean, I'm, I'm God's favorite. When I was a child, I would have died. One day, I walked away from home. A, a, a neighbor took me away for several hours. My mom, my mama was crying. I'm a first child. Maybe four or five years old. I didn't know where we were going. Didn't know what the neighbor was planning. But the mercy of God brought me back home. My mom asked me, Nibololo, I said, Mola. No, Kiloje, Moje, Kilomu, Momu. I was just learning to speak. Little boy. And then she said, Nibololo, I said, Mola, la, 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 up in a house where eight families to between an average of eight to ten families were sharing the same pit latrine. Pit! Covered with a wooden lid. You wanted to use it, you push that lid aside. You push it aside, there will be a smoke from the pit of hell that will come out, ooze with a terrible odor. And we exposed our anus to that. God have mercy. Would have died as a child. How God kept me, I don't know. Today, I'm so irritated, I hardly can share the toilet with another person. I was, very telling, I was mooching the idea to my wife that when we, we build a house, when we design it, maybe I'm going to have my separate toilet and you have. And I said, what do you mean? <laughs> there is no fear in love. Glory be to God. I mean, this boy would have perished. They gave me money to go to Abuja, 1997. My cousin, you I, had a different idea. Instead of taking me to the park to board a street vehicle to Abuja, he told me we'll share some profit out of the money. My money, my father's money. Put me in a vehicle, Capstar, that had no back. You know Capstar, the one they used to distribute sachet water, pure water, no rail, no railing, just that thing, like a pickup, pickup van. I sat on the edge. 
along with other people from Ibadan to Mokwa. When we got to Obomo Shore, they picked up passengers, those mamas selling um, a lubo. They joined us. So we had a lubo and human beings in the same pickup. I sat on the edge, the edge. We all sat around the edge. And on the way to Mokwa, that place was, the road was terrible. Imagine the vehicle making a, a sharp turn. I would have fallen over and that would be the end of Fred Elegant. Very stupid decision. But I took it. I've taken some risks in my teenage years that I, I, I can't share with my son. I don't want him to experiment the same. Yesterday I was in my hotel room. I went on a retreat from Friday. I came from the retreat to church this morning. And I was crying before the Lord. I said, Lord, I'm not crying because I'm regretting anything. I'm crying to express my appreciation to you. I don't know why you love me so much. I've had near-death experiences. You've kept me. I don't, I don't know. Develop your faith in the love of God. Yeah, you've made mistakes, no doubt. We've, we've all made mistakes. Uh, we've all. Have you repented? That's what matters. If you are alive and listening to me in any part of the world today, whether in America, in the UK, in Europe, other parts of Africa, Nigeria, and those of you here, if you are alive this morning listening to me, it is because God has not given up on you. If he gave up on you last night, you would not wake up this morning. So every day I wake up, I say, Lord, I thank you. It's another opportunity to begin again. Are you with me? God loves you. Don't keep quiet. Begin to make bold declarations. God loves me. <laughs> God loves me. God! God loves me. These are no. I know and I believe in the love of God. So when fear comes, tell fear, stare him eyeball to eyeball and say, I don't care about you. I don't care about the doctor's report. Thank God for doctors, but I'm not taking this report. And in the name of Jesus, I refuse to fear. You've not read well for the exams and you're going in next week. In the name of Jesus, I refuse to fear. If you fear, adrenaline will go into action. You know that hormone? To set you into anxiety, anxiety and panic mode, you're going to forget what you know. You're going to see photosynthesis. And you're going to look at it and say, photosynthesis, my God, what does this mean? Have you been on an exam hall before you wanted to write, I was there or he was there yesterday and you're asking yourself for the spelling of words? I mean, what is W-A-S, but you're wondering if it's W-O-S or W-H-A-S. Your Ori affair in the spelling was no and then that's the oh w-o-r-s-e like i was there oh i w-s and then you write to w-s and mm, this is worse <laughs> fear fear can mess you up fear can mess up the mind all for you to get out of the exam hall and then the definition of photosynthesis just comes the devil is a liar. I said the devil is a liar. The next exam you are going to write, you are going to smash it. The next business you are going to do, you are going to smash it. You will succeed. 
you will do well. You will prosper. You will flourish. You will blossom. Lawyers, the next court case, you're going to win it. In Acts chapter 4, verses 23 to 31, I'm stopping now. They went back to their own company and they prayed. When they were threatened, they prayed. And they prayed for boldness. You can pray for boldness. And you can develop boldness in the love of God. And they went everywhere and spoke the word of God with boldness. And God was working with them. Healing, healing, healing. Pray with boldness for somebody this week. Look out for a friend. How you doing? Say, I'm not doing too well. Can I pray with you? Oh, yeah, do you think your prayer can make any difference? Yes, yes it will. Believe and lay hands and release your faith in the name of Jesus and see that situation change. Amen? Amen? Be very rough with Satan wherever you see him. Be very rough with him. He's a rough guy. Don't try to be gentlemanly with him. Cast out demons. Cast it out from your friends. Some of them need help. They're in oppression. I've met people who have been raped before. They are not free anymore with people. They are traumatized. They are traumatized. Every single man they meet is a potential rapist. I know how palpable that fear is. I met guys who are abused sexually by, by big aunties when they were young. And so today they said they want to live the gay lifestyle. Big. What do you think is at the root of those things? Fear. 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 I decree in the name of Jesus, you are free from fear. Finally, last point. Stir up the gift of God that is in you. One of the ways to stir up the gift is praying in the spirit with intentionality. Jude has only one chapter, verse 20 says, but you beloved, building up yourselves on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. 1 Corinthians 14, 4 says, he that prays in an unknown tongue edifies himself. The revelation of the love of God will flow from the Holy Spirit to your spirit as you pray in the Holy Ghost. Romans 5, 5 tells us that the love of God has been shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost. John 17, 23 says God has loved us with the same love with which he loves Jesus. All of those revelations will come alive and you will have the boldness to dare anything, anything, anything. Paul the Apostle, write this one down, Ephesians 3 from verse 14 to 21. He said, for this cause I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that they will grant you to be strengthened according to the riches of the glory in Christ Jesus, to be strengthened in your inner man. And that you may know the love of God that passes knowledge, that you may know what is the length and breadth and depth and height, and to know, to genasco, the love of Christ that passes knowledge. May you know the love of Christ that passes knowledge. Somebody said, because you have been raped before, you are a second-class citizen. No, you are not. You are loved of God. Can I have an Amen. You made mistakes before. You're a second class citizen. No! I'm a child of the Most High God. I've smoked before. I've drunk before. I've done this. I've done that. That was before. The friend that did that is dead. This one is a new man in Christ. Glory be to God. Don't be tied to your past. You have a new life to live. It's too short for you to be living in regret every day. Shake off the dust. Shake off the ashes and start a new fire. Shake off that beast called fear. Paul said to Timothy, 2 Timothy, from verse one, chapter, chapter 1, from verse 5 to 7, he said, I recall the faith 
that is in you, which was first of all in your grandmother Lois, and then in your mother Eunice. And I know that the same faith is in you. It's a precious faith. He said, now I, I put you to remembrance to stir up the gift of God that is in you, which came into you when I laid my hands on you. Stir up that gift. You have that gift in you, in your spirit. Stir him up. He said in verse 7, for God has not given you the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. That's where that first Timothy is coming from. Second Timothy 1 Timothy 1.7 is coming from. It's coming from stir up the gift. Many are not able to stir up their gift. They are cowed. They are, they are intimidated. They are limited by the spirit of fear. Get out of that mode by engaging the gift of God that is in you, in you, in you. Stir him up. You are not wasting time. When you do that, at least an hour every day. Stand on your feet, everybody. I'll bring the word of the Lord to you next Sunday. So I'll preach on that. I don't want to rush it. I have it here, but I'll, I'll bring it next Sunday in its fullness. The Lord has said to me this year is going to give us results in multiples. Did you hear what I said? Good things are not coming in trickles. They're coming in multiples. You know that song we sang, that hymn? There shall be showers of blessing. One line says, mercy drops around us are falling, but for the showers will flee. This year, God will take you from the realm of mercy drops into the realm of showers.